It's 4 o'clock on a Monday, and you know what that means, don't you? It's time for another exciting episode of Taxi TV Live. Woohoo! Yeah! There's that chat room. Hello, everybody, and hello to my wonderful guest, John Pearson in the middle and Jim Thacker on the right. Gentlemen, thank you for doing this. I'm very excited. Uh, today's show, as you probably saw in the email, did you know you're already a TV composer? Because the two gentlemen joining me today had no idea that they were about to become TV composers until a few years ago when they kind of crossed over the chasm. Not only did they cross over to become composers, but they also discovered, wow, I can do all these other genres that I normally wouldn't do in my current life. So let me read you a, a little bio from each of them. And once again, welcome guys, thanks for coming. Um, My pleasure. Thank you. JP is in Nashville at the moment, and Jim is in Vermont. Yep. Right? Okay. So, yeah, we're uh, doing it from all over the country today. Um, anyway, John L. Pearson, not to be confused with the guy who doesn't have the L in the middle of his name, um, made his living playing bass for top country artists in the 90s and 2000s. He's toured with Dina Carter. Where is Dina Carter? She was, I really liked her. Um, She's cool. Yeah, John Barry, Billy Dean, Mel McDaniel, and even did a quick three-song live TV appearance with Freddie Fender. That must have been pretty awesome. Um, he's also played the Grand Old Opry dozens of times. Wow. I love the way that room smells. It just smells like old wood. <laughs> um uh, dozens of times he played bass on the Grammy-winning album Amazing Grace 2. He's co-written with hit songwriters such as A.J. Masters, who wrote for Faith Hill and John Barry, wrote hits for them, actually. Mark Allen Springer, who's had hits with Tanya Tucker, Kenny Chesney, and Colin Ray. John now concentrates on producing and writing for TV, film, advertising, and writing for artists. He's also had songs placed in several movies and in TV shows such as Outer Banks, The Rookie, uh, Legacies has recently had a song placed in a global Samsung TV ad, which, you know, I just bought a new Samsung TV and I told them that I knew you and they still didn't give me a discount. Oh, well. Uh. <laughs> Jim Thacker, Bummer. right there on the right with that blue baseball hat has had a very diverse background ranging from early days in cover bands to earning a music degree touring with both real deal blues and country artists and more recently having hundreds of placements in TV, film, and commercials. Uh, rather than considering any successes as a result of being too big to fail, he looks at it more as being too stupid to quit. That was my favorite thing about you was that sentence right there, Jim. So <laughs> welcome guys. Thank you, glad um, Man, oh man, I love that. Stu too, too stupid to quit. Uh, I always told, I've always. Soldier, I, stole, I stole that from Chuck Schlachter, by the way. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have I, to use it. <laughs> I've always said to my wife when I die on my tombstone, I just want to say studio rat, but I think I might change it to too stupid to quit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, <sighs> Is Jim Thacker from the D? I don't know. Hey, Nancy Collell. I was just thinking about you the other day, Nancy. Good to see you in the chat room. Um, okay, so I'm going to ask these guys some questions, and then they're going to talk about some stuff, and then hopefully at the end we can do a little live Q&A with them. Um, 
did you guys even know, uh, and I guess I'll go to JP first on this, but did you even know that there was like a market for film and TV music and that you could be a part of that world? What, what was the all. revelation that made you realize you could do this? Uh, 2015 coming to the taxi road rally really i had i had no idea that film and tv was even a thing I, I just figured okay you're writing for artists and your publishers whatever pick up the songs and then somehow they magically get to these tv shows and movies and advertisements and it's all through your typical publisher that well this song's not good enough for the artist but we can do it <laughs> yeah we've already spent the money on the recording yeah we can use it in background and then coming to the road rally in 2015 it's like um, and i've i've said before michael it, it was life-changing because it's like a whole new world opened up for me that i was not aware of and i mean there was no going back after that like, this is the coolest thing I could write song. I can write any genre I want as long as I'm proficient at it and really good at it. If I try hard, and um, yeah, so I had no idea that it even existed. Uh, how about you, Jim? Uh, playing in cover bands and touring and all that stuff. Did you have any idea? Then I did not. I I did join Taxi um, quite a while back, and I had like a year or two that I did submit to Taxi a lot. This was probably. 15, 20 years ago. Uh, and were you submitting to film and TV film. stuff? And, and can I get you to bring the input level on your mic up a little bit, Jim? Sure, I probably have to get closer. I don't know if I have an input mic. Are you on a Mac Is or a PC? I am on a Mac. So look for your preferences thing and then, yeah. Sing a song, Michael, while we're waiting here. No, I don't want to lose any viewership. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Is that I any can, better? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I can definitely, um, I can sing in a background harmony stack if somebody gives me my note. That's as far as it goes. Even my shower has got like a sign hanging around the shower as a don't sing. So, <laughs> anyway, um, so back when you were a taxi member back in the day, um, I'm sorry, did you say you did submit to film and TV or, or were you still trying to get yes. songs? Okay. Um, so at what point, why did you, both of you, let's go back to Jim on this one. Why did you decide to go after film and TV stuff? Uh, I mean, that's a pretty big career change. Uh, what about it enticed you? Yeah, so really, I I had a couple of friends who were doing it, and I don't. I think one of them was with Taxi and doing it through Taxi, and the other was doing it in Nashville through publishing companies. And both of them were having quite a bit of success. Guys that I wrote with in Nashville and actually played in a band with one of the guys, and they were having quite a bit of success with it. So I was kind of interested. I just said, "Oh, what is this over here? You know, this TV and film music. I've I've always written music." A lot of times it was in Nashville, it was pitching to artists and things like that, you know. So, but I I started thinking about it when a couple of friends of mine in Nashville were having some success with it, and we'd co-write and they'd be like, "Oh yeah, I just had the song in a in a show or in a film," and I was like, "How did you do that?" You know, I mean, and so I started to really get interested in that. I think. Um, 
JP, how about you? What what was the? Do you remember the moment where you go, okay, enough of this stuff on the road. I gotta like be in one place, and I want to do film and TV music. What was your your moment? Yeah, well, when I um, I mean, back when I was playing bass for for and doing a lot of writing with uh, really good writers, um, that was kind of right about the time I was I got married and then had children. So that kind of was the thing that took me off the road. Um, but in the interim, before I, I found Taxi, I was still trying to write for artists and I actually joined Taxi to, to submit songs to artists. And uh, after a while, it's like, you know, I see all these other listings and these look like really fun things to do and they're close to what I already write. So why not give them a shot? And that's when I really started getting into the film writing for film and tv so how did you guys cross over into these other genres let me go back to to jim on this one uh what were your main genres before film and tv and then what did you do to adapt new genres and learn how to play them or write in them yeah so before i went to film and tv i was i was playing a lot different genres like the cover band thing I played in every cover band you can imagine every style of music you can imagine and then I spent six years on the road playing really kind of down home blues music with these great blues artists and then I got to Nashville I moved to Nashville and I was playing country and touring with country artists and playing that style of music so I had kind of played all those styles of music as a guitarist and a bass player so that kind of helped when it came to submitting for taxi listings when I started doing that because I had that range of music. Now, trans, you know, going over into the other styles of music, I was able to kind of transition because I would take, you know, a certain style of music, let's say I knew the blues, and a listing was for the Black Keys. Well, it's blues influence, but it has rock influence as well. And I had those two influences, so I was able to kind of migrate the two together. Um, and you know, I'm sure John will speak to this more too, but the other side of it is I would literally look at a taxi listing and I would, I would, I don't think it was Spotify at the time. It was probably YouTube. I'd have a playlist of that music that I would just listen to for a few days, you know, listen to it, maybe even pick up a guitar and learn some of the ways they were, the tones they were using, the riffs they were using and incorporated that into the songs I wrote. So it was, it was part of that experience I had as a player and then also just immersing myself in the style that I was going for. And that's kind of how I expanded styles to do other things I had never done, including R&B, pop, hip hop even, which, you know, I didn't do a lot, but I would always obviously get a hip hop singer or something to work with. But, um, but yeah, so that's how I kind of did, you know, got into other styles as I did listings for Taxi. And if I remember correctly, when you were a member initially, years before the your successful period that you're enjoying now, uh, you were making the mistake that so many, if not virtually all new taxi members make, which is, oh yeah, I got this song I did seven years ago, might be perfect for this listing. And you're literally lying to yourself because you so desperately would love to have somebody love that tune. And deep down inside, maybe there's that little person sitting on your shoulder going, don't do it, Jim, don't do it, um, <laughs> where you know it's not really a perfect fit, but then you're thinking, but it's just so good. Maybe they'll hear it and use it anyway. Uh, is that a fair assessment? Absolutely. Yeah, and in that first, I think I was with Taxi for that span for a year and a half or two years, 
and it was I think I had one forward out of like 40 submissions wow and I really couldn't I, I think at the time I couldn't even figure it out honestly I was like why is this happening and I was like I was working very hard on productions and getting it right but I do think there was a lot of the square peg round hole thing going on where I just thought it was a great song and said just what you said I was like it's really a good song they're gonna like it and maybe it'll get forwarded anyway even though it, it, I wasn't as far as like submitting a country song for a blues listing but you know, you want, let's say Taxi was asking for, I don't know, blues from Muddy Waters. I would send in, send in something that sounded more like Steve Ray Vaughan or modern blues. That kind of misses. You know, it wasn't like I was way off the map, but I certainly, when I look back now, it wasn't the same thing that right. the listing was asking for. Yeah. Uh, JP, how about you? Uh, are you guilty of committing that sin as well in the early stages? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, I got a whole chapter uh, in my my personal book. Uh, yeah, we, we're Jim and I are are actually working on something, but we're we're calling it projecting. So, you know, I'm I've got this song, and in my head, I look at that listing that comes in in the morning, eight a.m. here it's Central Time, and I'm looking at it, and it's like, okay, this song that I wrote two years ago or one year ago, that would be perfect, and it's not even close. It's you know, I'm. Indie rock is, is one of my favorite things. But indie rock is, I mean, it goes from here to, I can't even reach far enough. It's just all over the place. Uh, you have to have the right type of indie rock. And I'm thinking, well, it's the same, kind of the same BPM and eh. Yeah, I was projecting that this was actually a song that would fit a listing when, no. And when the rejection or the, the return comes in, it's like, what? It's like it was perfect then you no. go to the you go to the forums and you find out uh, what songs got forwarded it's like okay yeah i get it yeah you know people don't pay enough attention to the forum i'm gonna plug it here um forums with an s dot taxi dot com I know forums are old school social media kind of obliterated them but the thing about social media is it's it's ephemeral it's here one minute gone the next Whereas a forum is like a, it's like a living, breathing organism. It's like AI. Woohoo! It keeps getting smarter every day because other people have contributed to the conversation, and for some fortunate reason, um, the people that are attracted to the taxi forum are really nice, very supportive of each other. And the BS factor is almost non-existent. Every once in a while, somebody will stumble in there like very opinionated and really uh, might not exactly know what they're talking about. Um, and people are still pretty kind to them. It's like they could get thrown out on their butt, but they don't. Um, but they quickly realize that this is a place where serious people who seriously want to learn and get better and be successful hang out. So the, the guys that hang out on other forums and love to kick up a ruckus um, don't stick around the taxi forum very long. Therefore, you've got guys like the two gentlemen that we're with today who contribute to the benefit of all who read what they post. And did you guys take advantage of that when you were figuring it all out as well? Anybody can jump Jim. on that. Yeah, go ahead, Jim. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. It's and, and what I, my I spoke. I meant forwards blog the last uh, in the last oh. uh, 
question. But uh, yeah, the forums, I mean, I would put songs up there. Um, I distinctly remember Ethan Okamura um, responded to a song that I put up that I'd just written. And he had asked me, he, he said, you know, I'm hearing, I forget what he said, but he, he, he was hearing, wanted it to go to a different place. And he was kind enough to listen to the song that I placed up there and I think I was singing it. So he was really kind, but uh, he listened to it and, and he, he said, yeah, I, it should, it should go somewhere else. So it's like, it's like, okay, yeah, this guy knows what he's talking about. I think he goes by EO on, on the forums, but uh, yeah, I, I, I worked on it and it's, it got so much better, found a vocalist for it. And that song got signed to a really good library. So thank you, Ethan. <laughs> Yeah, he does go by EO. I think he does like E-E-O-O -O is his name on there. But yeah, there, there's so many of you guys. People stick around. It's kind of like they do feel, in a positive way, feel an obligation to pay it forward once they figure it out because other people paid it forward to them. And as kind of mm -hmm. corny as that all sounds, it's absolutely true and it works. We've got so many successful members that all say, got to go to the road rally got to hang out on the forums and you've got to read the listings well and pitch what they're asking. Um, so one of the things on the list that you guys wanted to talk about is deciphering a brief, uh, as we call it in taxi land, deciphering a listing and reading between the lines <clears throat> to make the editor, the video editor who's going to pick the music and place it or a music supervisor happy. Um, which one of you would like to go first on deciphering a brief and reading between the lines <laughs> <laughs> sure sure i'll take that um yeah so it's it kind of goes back to what we were talking about a minute ago with the you know square peg round hole for one thing you know you really need to listen to the obviously read the brief more than once you know with a fine-tooth comb i would say and then really listen to the examples um it is one of those things where you know, there's there's a few things here that I experience, and I'll, I'll just put it out there one way or the other. But it is a moving target in in this world, and I've come to realize that after five years of doing this. And you know this, Michael. You'll get the call from the supervisor or the library, and they want a certain thing. By the time that song get by the time that movie gets to post production, the producer could have completely changed his mind about the song, right? So. I'm kind of saying this as a caveat up front because you have to realize when you're submitting, things change. When you submit to a library, things change. When you submit to a supervisor, things change. The upside of this, though, is that every time you submit, you create a new song. So I learned over time that it's never a bad thing because you're creating a song that John said it a minute ago, that song could end up somewhere or somewhere else. So the fact that I created all of these songs for taxi listings was, was key to me. But going back to your original thing, how to read between lines on a listing when you're doing it, you have to read just about every word of that listing, including one thing important is the bottom, the terms, the non-exclusive and exclusive, which we can get into later, right? But yep. but the uh, but reading the listings, listening to the to the examples, and usually the references or the examples, if you listen to three or four of them at least, or whatever there is, you know there's a common theme there. Like you'll start to hear things in those songs that are about, you know, production wise and otherwise are the same, maybe even vocal or lyrical content, but 
you know, lyrical content and TV film is is a whole other ball game too. People but I would don't say, you know, I mean, yeah. it's not much more than. Uh, I'm sorry, and I'm not cutting off because I want you to continue on that. But I want to interject sure. that you're right. It's not about people think they want a song that sounds like that, which is usually not the case. They want you to listen right. to all three to notice that they are emotionally uplifting in their lyric content. They're talking yeah. about feeling good today or whatever the topic is in a right. general way. Their tempo is probably similar. Minor versus major, seventh versus not, you know, all those yeah. things. It's not about copying the song. So sorry for jumping in on that, but please continue. No, and that's a great point. And actually that's that fits really well with what I said because that is reading between the lines a bit too, right? Like, yes, you're reading the listing, you, you wanna be specific on what they're asking for, but that reading between the lines thing is, is key. The tempo is huge, like you said, and you hear it over and over, but you, you kind of hit it on it, the word is vibe, right? Yeah. It's a certain vibe they're looking for. And a lot of times that won't change. They may change their ideas about what artists may fit well in that spot in a film or a commercial or whatever it may be. But a lot of times it is, they do stick with that general vibe of the music that you see in a taxi listing and hear in a taxi listing and the general vibe like you said fun upbeat 70s disco i mean that's probably going to end up being a 70s disco song so you you want to create something that sounds like it's from that era from that playlist and that that all has to do with vibe so that is a little bit of reading between the lines so it's both right you're leading reading the listing for specificity but you're also reading it for what vibe is it and that's a little more a little less concrete in some ways sometimes you have to art, know what the, art what and science feeling is yeah, yeah. Exactly. there's a science to it but the art form is figuring out the science um jp how about you anything you want to add to that yeah yeah so uh, one thing that took me a while to figure out is when you're listening to the references me being a songwriter that's that's my thing so i'm listening to the way that the lyrics are being shot out of the mouth <laughs> are they coming out in machine gun like uh format are they coming out slowly with space in between lines so the song could breathe to me that goes back to what jim said about vibe but if you if your delivery of lyrics is completely different from what the references are <laughs> right. usually the references will all be a similar it, not exactly but a similar delivery of, mm -hmm. the, of the lyrics that's important because the scene might need space. It might need breathing room for dialogue or for the actors to do something. And they don't want a bunch of lyrics, you know, clouding up the, the visual. So that, that to me is, is, that took me a while to figure that out. But um, that's, a, that's a really important part of it, I believe. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, a lot of people think that we're secretly telling them copy this song we're not uh, and just for your edification and for the edification of our audience sometimes the the person running the listing whether it's a production music library executive or record label or, or music super whomever um, we always ask them for a reference and like, why does this, what about this reference is it that you like? Because we may have to go hunt down two other references that work with ours so we don't send you down the wrong path. And, and truth be told, there are a lot of people that go, well, I don't know, we had this song tempt in, but I don't know why I like it. 
So then we have to do our homework and go, okay, why does this, what about this? Is it the message? Is it the attitude, the vibe? Is it the um, chord progression? Is it the melodic intervals? I mean, there, there are so many things. And if you listen two, three, four, five times, it becomes pretty apparent. So we put that much work into making sure that the other references are solid for you guys. And we make best efforts to get all three references from our industry person. I would say probably yeah. 20 or 30% of the time we do. But as you guys both know, um, there are a lot of people in the industry, on, on the industry pro side, that even with best intentions, they don't speak music necessarily. They're picture people. They can talk about emotion. They can talk about feelings. I want a song that makes me feel like that. Okay, well, I understand why you want that, uh, but can you help me translate that into something that musicians will understand? And they really can't oftentimes. And that's some of the value of Taxi is we do that work for you because if everybody got to deal with that music supervisor on their own, you if you had 10 people all asking that same music supervisor the same question, I'll bet you 10 of those people would walk away with a different take on what they were looking for. So it's an art form on our part too, is what I'm saying. I, it is, my, yeah. I've got a, um, a great I've story. I've told Jim about this. <laughs> this. This happened last year um, a publisher reached out to me and said, this company wants to use your song in their commercial. It's like, okay, awesome. Um, but they didn't, they didn't want to use the whole version of it. They, they wanted to do the vocal and a ukulele. It's like, okay, well, I can do that. So I had the editor, we did a conference call with my publisher and, and the editor, and he's explaining to me what he wants to hear at the beginning of it, I want to hear a melodic, uh, something melody, some da 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 da. It's like okay, so I come up with all these, and he's like, no, no, it's. I said, you mean something like a strum chord? He goes, strum, yes, yeah, a strummy thing. So, so do this strummy thing. So I'm, you know, I, it's like I came up with a strummy thing, and I'll never forget that word. But uh, and and it worked out. But. Um, it's he knew what he wanted to hear. He just had no way of getting it across to someone that you know. It finally got across, but it was like that was at nine in the morning. It was it's no rush. I just need it by noon. So it's like I, it's like I mean today, but it was cool. Um, I got a strummy thing and it made it into the commercials. But but that also brings up another thing. It's a little off topic, but hearing John tell that story that shows you what John will do to work on and make sure he gets that placement, right? It, it is one of those things you have to do whatever you can to, to like, and going back to your thing, uh, Michael, you have to translate what they're saying, take it very serious and, and, and work on it and just get it right for the, for the person, I guess you call the client, but the person who wants that piece of music, there, it, it is that old customer's always right in that case, right? You, you can't question them. You can't inject, interject your musical ego at that point you just have to like john did it's a perfect example of why he's successful i think is he, he 
was empathetic and, and even though he might be was chuckling about it he was empathetic and said what does this guy really want here you know and you can't process. let them know you can't make them feel like a, oh, yeah. a, a dum-dum no. because they can't explain it no. well they will hate you for that but they will love you if you can make them feel like I got you man Vulcan mind meld we'll figure this yeah. out they will keep coming <laughs> back to you for more stuff because you made it easy yep. for them and frictionless and Yep. Yeah. Rather than, man, you don't know, you know, like trying to talk, me trying to talk to a photographer to tell them to use a particular f-stop so that the photo comes out, you know, in grayscale with some gauziness to it. I, I, I could say, make it a little fuzzy, make it black and white, kind of fuzzy and old school looking, but I couldn't tell them what f-stop to use. So that's yep. the composer's job is translating and making them feel you know, when you first meet somebody and you're falling in love, there's that little honeymoon period where everything you say to each other is like, oh, he's wonderful. Oh, she's so adorable. This, that, you know, just like you see no wrong in each other because the hormones are raging or whatever. There's a period like that when you meet somebody in the industry where you can make them fall in love with you just by being helpful to them and making them feel like they're really being heard. So maybe that wasn't the greatest analogy, yeah. but it's the best one I've got. <laughs> Dating yeah. tips by Michael Laskow. Yeah. Laskow, <laughs> well, I've only, uh, yeah, I've, I've spent, oh, never mind. I'm not getting into dating tips. Um, <laughs> um, hopefully I won't ever need them again. Um, let's see. So, okay. Uh, you guys wanted to talk about which DAW you used and why. And I, I'm really curious. Uh, Jim, how about you? What do you use? Well, I use several different DAWs, but primarily I use Logic and Pro Tools, those two. Now, Logic, I, I actually was Pro Tools first, and that's just because when I got to Nashville, everybody was using Pro Tools. So I knew I had to learn it. I'd walk into a studio and inevitably somebody be like hey I got to go plug something in can you sit down and and help me track this so I, I had to know Pro Tools because that was everywhere in the studio world in Nashville at the time wow. um, and I like Pro Tools you know for a lot of reasons it, I kind of came from the old school of mixing consoles like when I got into recording it was mixing consoles and and ADATs were big right and tape was kind of still around but then the transition to Pro Tools happened really quickly so I learned Pro Tools first and then when I found Logic, a friend of mine in Nashville was using Logic and I went to a write session. First time I had or ever had really used it. And I really like that for songwriting. So it's almost like if I could have the workflow of Pro Tools and the kind of feel of an old school console and the, and the workflow of songwriting in Logic, it would be the ultimate DAW. So I use both and I tend to write more in Logic. Um, if in you know, I'll say this. I'll say this out loud. I probably won't get sued by either one of them, but I could swear to you, and I've heard other guys say this, so it's not just me. I could swear to you, Pro Tools sounds better, and I know that makes no sense because it's just digital ones and zeros. But whenever I record, like my old band, my own band, I record in Pro Tools because there's something more. I don't have to work as hard to get a punchy sound mm. out of the DAW. So there, there. I guess long story short, there are huge disadvantages and advantages to each DAW. So I bounce back and forth between Pro Tools and Logic. Logic has some amazing things in it that, you know, it, I'll let John talk a little bit more about Logic Drummer, <laughs> which is amazing. Yeah. But um, 
Well, we, you know, it's just it's a great songwriting dot logic. So to me, those are the top two and the top two that I use. But there's a lot of DAWs out there now, and, and I see people using them, and they look great. A friend of mine is a Cubase guy, and I know a lot of composers are Cubase guys, mm -hmm. like, like like classical composers. And I think there's something really good about the MIDI in Cubase. I have it, but I, I don't use it. It's very foreign to me when I get into it because it's so different than Logic and Pro Tools. And that's the thing. There's such a learning curve. You almost have to stick with one or two. I think, yeah, I'm, because you start trying to, you know, there's so many different DAWs now, but there are. And frankly, I'm a little surprised that you bounce back and forth between the two. But by the way, if you want logic to sound better, I understand there's a tube replacement kit that you can buy for 39 bucks on Amazon. <laughs> Just plug those new tubes in. It'll sound better yeah. instantly. <laughs> That's what it is. I think Pro Tools have better tubes. I think you're right. <laughs> uh, JP, so I got to say, you were part of my reason for getting Logic on my laptop three years ago. For those of you who don't know, oh, wow. I, I'm I'm from the analog world. I, I used to sit behind SSLs and Neves and MCI consoles and work on two-inch tape. You know, I'm a mic and wires person and had never owned a DAW. But right before, probably three or four months before the lockdown, the famous uh, pandemic lockdown, um, I, I was vacillating. I was going to get one or the other because I had to buy a new laptop, and I figured I'd get one with the with something just installed on it, play with it on airplane rides or whatever. I, I really don't have a lot of time to pursue it with the amount of time I should. Um, and, and it was JP that said to me, I know nothing about programming drums, but there's this feature called Drummer in Logic, and I actually come across as knowing what I'm doing or something to that effect. You could not have been mm -hmm. more enthusiastic about Drummer, which is a feature of Logic. Can you explain what it is, how it works, and why you love it so much? Yeah, well, for me to make the decision to go to Logic, I did a lot of research on DAWs, and it's like, what's going to be the quickest for someone who's not really a tech guy? And um, that's why I went with Logic, first of all. But Drummer, oh my gosh. So in the program Drummer, you can use just dials with your mouse, and you can turn up the amount of fills. You can change the fills. You can change feels. It has uh, several different drummers. You can take one drummer that's playing a certain feel and then you can change the kit over on the left hand side of the screen so you're getting a modern sound and everything is labeled logically and uh, so you can you can find really cool sounding trap kits um just you know edm modern sounding pop disco just and it's it's so easy to use it's um I, yeah, I go on about it, but it, it just, <laughs> it, it's, it's the drummer in, in, in Logic is really what sold me on it in Alchemy, um, which is a, a synthesizer, I'm not sure what it's called, but it's one of the sound banks in, in Logic. There are so many great sounds that are already internal to Logic, which I didn't have to buy plugins for, I don't know, the first year or two. I, I bought Easy Drummer just to have a different drum set but um i didn't have to buy any other plugins for for several years until i listened to all jim stuff and contact and uh 
it's like eh, I need a little bit of that. But yeah, the drummer is is I I cannot say enough about that. That's helped my songs sound more contemporary in a big way. Yeah, trying to and, program your own drums. Like I would program drums, they would all end up sounding like 1975 fills yeah. because that's the music I grew up loving. Um, excuse me. And from the little I've played with drummer, I see that. It's like I don't even have to think about it. Everything I need is right there within a click. And if you're just like hip enough or tuned into your own world enough to know, okay, that's a cool turnaround, but it sounds like something that the Bee Gees would have used in 1978, and I'm trying to make something modern, I can't use that. But it's there if you need it, and the new stuff is there as well. Yeah. And, and something a lot of people do, and I've been guilty of it back in the day, is when you're doing a drum fill, the drummer on your <laughs> that you're recording all of a sudden has four hands because he's still playing the hi-hat <laughs> he's playing it like well, well, well. so but, but drummer automatically will it, it will cancel out any hi-hat it, it automatically does that so you don't have to think about it you're just listening not having to look at the the midi uh, it, it's 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 really cool and one other thing about drummer i'll interject is that i was at a session and I had had Logic for a while. I'd used Drummer, but I also have like Superior Drummer. I used that a lot. But I was at a session, and I it was the guy was using Logic Drummer. I played the bass line. It was kind of like an old R and B style tune, just I don't know, My Girl or some kind of you know style like that. I played the bass line, and we were listening back to the the take of the bass and the drums. And I said, you know, that I'm not really hooking up with the with what the drum pattern is in the kick drum, but I like the pattern I did in the bass. And my buddy, who was a logic expert at that time, he says, oh, watch this. And he bust my my bass part, my bass track to drummer, to the drummer track in logic. And he basically hit a button and the drum kick drum adjusted to my bass line. So it's kind of, yeah. it really is AI technology at that point, right? It's like AI that I like. <laughs> so, so it's yeah. like, it, it literally, it was like having a real drummer that adjusted to my bass pattern. And I was blown away by that yeah. i was like that is really cool stuff because you can you know as a bass player it's great because you can do your pattern and the drummer will follow you and i don't think i've seen that technology in many other drum programs that's pretty unique to logic i believe maybe not now but at the time it certainly was yeah it's a follow button down there in drummer just hit follow yeah. and you can pick and it follows whatever you to follow it you yeah, can it could follow be piano the acoustic or yeah or the piano or the bass and yeah yeah pretty cool speaking yeah. of ai um, I want to announce to the public, I told these guys before we went live, um, that our keynote speaker this year at the Road Rally, who is confirmed for Friday morning of November 3rd, if you've never been to a taxi road rally and you're a member, you really need to come. I'll let these guys back me up on that in a moment. No pressure. Um, but I've gotten uh, a confirmation from Adam Taylor, who is the president of APM, that is arguably the largest production music library. It's like the General Motors of music libraries. <clears throat> they're huge, they're global, um, very well thought of, and uh, he is also the chairman of the board of the Production Music Association which is many of the world's best music libraries came together and formed an organization like 10 or more years ago. So I'm excited. Uh, I've known Adam for 
10 or 15 years, but we haven't spoken in a long time. And I called him and he immediately gave me a, yeah, I'd love to do it. So I'm thrilled that he said yes. And one of the things I'm gonna ask him is, what's the future of our industry look like between AI and the current uh, actor's strike and the writer's strike? What does the future look like? And uh, I already kind of know how he feels, but I'm not gonna tell you guys how he feels until you come to see him at the road rally on November 3rd. Uh, you guys have both been to the rally. Uh, if you're a taxi member and you want to be successful, would you be hurting yourself by not attending a road rally? Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's how. That's where Jim and Jim and I met. Yeah, you know, we're both from Nashville, but we met at the road rally. It's, I mean, <laughs> in line waiting to go into the ballroom. Wow. And yep. it just happened to see either he saw mine or I saw his name tag, and saw Nashville, and we got to talking. We're both bass players, and and. Yeah, the the road rally, but golly, that's I learned so much. I mean, it took me I think three or four or five years to be able to see every class that that I was interested in because I was interested in a lot, a lot of different genres. But yeah, it's it's amazing. And what do you think, Jim? Or <laughs> yeah, abs absolutely, it's a game changer. Is the only is the best way I can put it. It was a game changer for me. That we were talking earlier about how that first stint with taxi I did 15 years ago or whatever it was 20 years ago maybe now where I didn't go to the rally I just did submissions I wasn't even really on the forum at that time I, I just was thinking I was going to produce music and throw it out and the, and the world would love it you know well I went to the rally the second time I think the second year I was a member uh, I went to the rally and it, it was just it, it was a game changer I met John I think that first year that I went, yeah, and uh, the kind of the follow up to what John was saying, John and I, I don't know how many songs we've written together since then, John, probably we're in the 30, 40 range, yeah, at least, and, and probably another 20, that, <laughs> probably another 20, yeah, cues and probably another 20 songs we haven't produced out yet, but so we've written a ton and we've had a lot of great placements together, all out of just meeting in, in line at the rally, so that's one example of why I would say go, the other one is, I think it was the second year because you know it will take you a minute to kind of get your footing and figure it all out but the second year i went to the i think it was the luncheon and i handed cds out at that time we still were doing cds and i handed cds out and there's two libraries that i met that i still have relationships with from the second rally i went to i still i'm doing a collection for a library right now that i met at the second rally i went to so it's just that's what it is it's the relationship building that you you have at the rally that that's just amazing you know and, and the community as you say michael you know that that's it, it's a friendly open community it also it also you can gauge your place in things because the first year i went i was a bit overwhelmed i was like wow i heard a lot of the music that was being produced and i knew that i had to up my game it was it really was an eye-opening experience too to know okay my productions and my writing is here but these people are successful you know they're they're kicking butt. I mean their their stuff is really good, and so it gives you a good gauge of where you're at. Well, it's you pretty incredibly and, mature of you to look at it that way, rather than you know a lot of people would say my music's as good as that. They're fooling him or herself. Number one, or the the worst is I'll never be that good, and just put your tail between your legs right. and go home. So 
hats off to you right. for going, oh, I'm 25% away from where I need to be, but now I know where I need to be, so let's go do it. Uh, JP, right, yeah. um, how about you? Any I, Over the weekend, I sent out uh, an email with a, bu a bunch of stories. I literally could have put 20 pages of them in there, but quotes from members who have gotten deals because of the road rally. And people don't realize that. It's like, oh yeah, I was a taxi member for a year. I submitted 15 times, never got anything. Well, you're probably submitting the wrong stuff or your stuff isn't good enough and you don't realize it uh, yet. Uh, but all these problems seem to get solved at the road rally. And inevitably it seems yes. like people either meet a collaborator that they write and produce with, or they're standing in a line to get a beer and they meet somebody who owns a library. A conversation starts and here they are six years later producing four albums a year for that library. So I, you can tell people this stuff all day long, but somehow it's very easy for them to say, well, I don't want to drop $300 on a plane ticket. It's like, do you oh, want a man, career or do you not? Yeah, yeah that's, that's just a big mistake. Uh, it's yep. at that point, I, I knew what I wanted to do and I knew I was taking it seriously. I knew I wanted to take it seriously. And I would do any, you just can't dream about something. You actually have to get out and do it. And it, it's, it requires work. And yeah, I, I saved up and had for that ticket and, and to stay at the West End. You definitely want to stay at the hotel where everything's happening because so much happens at the bar or the restaurant in the morning or just walking around in the elevators, elevator. restrooms, yeah, all of it. <laughs> yeah. All of it. Yeah. Not the restrooms, man. don't hit me up there, but it's, um, yeah, but, uh, with me, it was the one-on-one. -on -one, uh, that's why I tell folks to get there early to get in line because the one-on-one -on -one mentors, um, yeah. I got the guy that I wanted. I played some songs and he was like, Oh, man. I said, well, I got one more and this one that I wrote with Jim and he goes, okay, send me that one. Send me some more like that. We started a relationship and we did a bunch of songs, Jim and I, um, just last year that were songs for major league baseball. And, uh, they got, you know, kind of chants you might say, and they got used quite a bit. So, um, that wouldn't happen if it wasn't for the road rally. I would have never met this, this publisher. And you know, young and restless. I met the the music supervisor, the library for that that show, and I've gotten, we both gotten, Jim and I have gotten a ton of placements on Young and Restless, and it's nothing to yeah, see. <laughs> by the way, and one last, uh, oh, yeah, go, go for it, Jim. I was just gonna add one other thing that I remembered is I went to the first rally, um, and I like I said, I was overwhelmed. I was a bit, you know, set back, and it took me a, a week or two at home to really realize, okay, what do I need to do next? And what I did, one thing that I did hand in hand with the rally, I guess there's two things. One was the forum. You talked about that. Mm -hmm. I started meeting people on the forum in preparation for the next year, knowing that, hey, I'm going to see these, a lot of these people live in person next year. I want to kind of get to know them. So I got on the forums and I got to know a lot of people. Some There was some library owners on the forums that I met, and they didn't mm -hmm. really advertise they were. But by the time I got to the next rally, I realized, oh, you know, you're, you own a catalog, you own a library. And so it's great. it was great to meet people. But I also did... I think 75 submissions the year after my first rally. And what that did for me was I got all of the feedback from the, the screeners and I really improved my game, especially in the TV and film world, knowing like we talked about earlier, what, how do you write for TV and film? 
And um, I learned a lot of that just from the feedback. When I got forwards, I learned, okay, that was on mark. And I kind of studied that. The third thing about that that was great was that when I went to the next rally, I took the best of my music from the year of submissions and brought it to the rally and was able to present that. You know, you have the panels that you do where you submit a song and it may get played. I did, I got really lucky. I happened to have two songs played that second rally at the panels out of, you know, there's hundreds of songs. So I just got really won that lottery on that one, but I had two, two songs played at two different panels and they were they also established the relationship. But I think both of those songs were songs I had written for taxi listings that hmm. year prior. So it kind of was a real hand-in-hand -hand relationship. And I, I really had set that goal uh, when I left the first rally I went to, I'd set that goal to write my butt off the next year. Some of it was for Nashville artists, some, a lot of it was for taxi listings, and then sometimes I'd just sit down and write. And so I had all this material after that, the year span in between rallies. And the second rally for me was the big one because I just met so many people. I had met so many people that I handed music to, but I, there was all kind of that buildup. I didn't wait until the rally and say, oh, shoot, I only have three songs. You know, that that's going to be tough because, I mean, they have to be awfully great songs because you want the quality and the quantity, I think, at, at that point. But, yeah. You know, so I would one suggestion I would do is is go to the uh, the rally armed with a good a good group of songs. As an artist, that could be an album of 10 songs, but have a good collection of songs. I've got a question for you. Uh, in the past, people would bring cassettes to the rally. Clearly, that's not an option anymore. Um, then for many years, people would bring CDs to the rally. It's the point now where we've only got one CD player readily accessible at the taxi office. I mean, we, we've got some, but they're in boxes or on a shelf somewhere. And uh, so I'm thinking, all right, well, what do I tell people to do how to distribute their music to people they'd like to hand it to? And I came up with an idea the other day. Maybe I'm sure somebody else has had this idea, but I came up with it on the fly during the last Taxi TV, if I believe, which is why not create either a business card or a thing that's maybe the size of a, a CD cover that's got your name, um, you know, production music library composer, your phone number, your email address, and then a QR code, a matchbook yeah. size QR code right on the front that says, hear music here. You could even have different QR codes for different playlists and different styles. Yep. That makes it easy. Somebody's killing time in an airport on their way home. They want to do something to kill time. They could zap your QR code and listen right there on their phone. Um, so giving them a CD is no longer a great option. Um, it probably wouldn't hurt to have a few CDs with you, but the QR code thing, I think, is, is a maybe not revolutionary idea, but I'm a little proud of myself for coming up with it. Do you guys like that? Yeah, I, I've seen that, um, it, and it, it works really well. Um, some folks, I forget um, where, it was recently, like within the last year, but somebody had a QR code on their business card. And it linked to their disco site, I believe it was. Yeah. Um, yep. And and that's another thing using disco um, to to send links out to supervisors and such. That's a that's a good thing to have. But yeah, I love the the QR code. That's that you won't have to worry about uh, viruses and all that from handing a flash drive to somebody. Right. That's right. But they could get coronavirus from you when you hand them your business card. There's a virus for you. <laughs> well, wear gloves. 
Isn't it amazing? I mean, last year I was so concerned about Corona that I bought like gallons of sanitizer and 5,000 masks and all this stuff and none of it got used. I think we barely even think about it anymore, how far we've come, you know? Yeah, it is amazing. Yeah. And, and on the QR code thing, uh, Michael, I do have one that's, uh, I can't remember the name of the company. They're doing one that's a QR code and it links to your Spotify, Facebook, Instagram. When somebody scans it, it takes them to a, a, a page that you build and then it has all the icons for all your social media and they can click on any of those. So it is a great idea. And I think there's a couple companies doing that, but I also believe probably the printed companies will would allow you to put a QR code in your design, right? So you can build that into a design of a paper card and hand them out. But I have one that you literally can tap on somebody it works on Android too, but definitely iPhone. You can literally tap it on the top of their phone and your page comes up. Nice. So it's pretty crazy technology. Yeah. So that is the, I think that's what I did last year. And that is one of the best ways. Um, it's a great, great advice is that's a great way to bring your music to the rally. And QR um, code is the way to go. I want to hit on the next thing that you guys talked about, which is I'm going to skip over the do and don'ts of being a co-writer right now and go right to the life of a placement from seed to harvest. Who would like to start with that topic? Because it's probably a fairly <laughs> long one, but I think people should hear it. A lot of the people in the chat room are people that you guys know already and they are experienced, but there are always new people watching this that really don't know. So please address that. Sure. I mean, there, and the, the thing is, there's several different paths, right? Did you, did you submit to a taxi listing? Did you put that song in a library? Did you work directly with a supervisor? So all those paths do have different ways that a song gets to placement and different hurdles and different, I don't know, things to overcome, you know, different roadblocks that you may encounter. Um, but the path is, and John and I have talked about this, the path can be so winding. In, in a placement you know one quick example i'll give is what we talked about earlier you could send a song to a taxi listing and it may be forwarded and you, you'll hear back from the library that song gets placed in the library and just a short example i've talked about this last time with you michael i talked to you but i had a song that sat in, in a library for five years and all of a sudden it popped up and it was a wonderful placement an amazing placement and i had completely almost forgotten about that song so a song can take, that's one path, it can take a long time for somebody to find it um, and just have the right home at the right time. And, you know, it, it shows you too that when you work with libraries and catalogs, a lot of times they're pitching your songs all the time and they may not have luck with it for years. They are looking, they're looking for the right opportunity for your song too all the time. Um, so that's one path kind of, but, um, John, how did we describe like the, the, the basic path, like when we write something and then we, let's say we submit it directly to a supervisor or editor or our director of a film, because I'm doing some of that now. The it, one path there that's amazing to me, and I'm, I've only been doing this about a year and a half, two years now, but the one thing amazing to me is how many things can change and how your song can be in there until the nth hour. Like I've had songs, I've had opening credit songs that I'm excited about, and literally on the last two days of mixing, they changed their mind for whatever reason. And the supervisor calls me and said, sorry, Jim, you know, that song that we had in there for the last 
80 days is now replaced. TV I mean, commercials that, are famous that for happen. that. Yeah, a, a TV yes. commercial, yes. literally until you see it on the air, don't start counting your money. <laughs> no, no. And, and that, so that's, the path can be so varied and so winding. It's a little difficult to talk about, but there are a hundred stories. I'm sure Don had, John has many of them that may shed some light. I, I think it's really just a matter of, you just have to keep pitching. You know, I, what is the, you know, the famous taxi thing, right? Right, submit, forget, repeat. Is that it? I mean, there, there it is. There you go. I mean, that, that's one thing true because your songs will kind of find their own path in some ways. Until you get to a point where you're directly pitching, and even then, yeah. even then, I, I can say there's just no guarantee, and there's just no one path for a song. I, I, I chuckle when people say, well, I'm, I'm doing an end run around taxi, and I'm pitching directly to this guy. It's, but that doesn't really change much, because there are a million... People are still hung up on the idea that my song is so good that they're going to use it. And it has very little to do with being so good. It's all about being so right. And it's got to be so right maybe for two or three or 15 people in the chain of events. So yeah. it's just, it's not like the old days. I got a great song. If I can just get an A&R person to listen to it, somebody will cut it and I'll have a hit. It's a different ball game. JP, it looks like you've got something to throw yeah. in here. Yeah, um, got a couple. It's like, so my first, uh, when I first found out about TV film 2015 at the Road Rally, um, that started things, but I actually got good enough on Logic to do my first collection for a library in 2017. And it was an indie folk, um, and I need to talk about that if, if we have time about the crossover aspect. Yes. But um, yeah, the um, so that collection, Female Vocalist, that I've never met. It's, this is all done by sending files back and forth. I'm in Nashville, she's in LA. Um, so that was 2017 and 2022 comes around and I get a call from my publisher and FedEx and Cricket Wireless had licensed two different songs off of that collection, just like within two days of each other. Wow. It took five years for that to happen. And you know, of course I did bug my publisher you know, call them every month or whatever, email them. How are my songs doing? Anything coming? Anybody looking at it? It's just forget about it. Write more stuff. Let let those babies go and, and write more stuff. You just keep getting better and better. And I listened to my stuff from back then. It's like, but. <laughs> but at the time you thought it was brilliant, right? It's it, it still getting placed. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just let the stuff go. And, one thing about with with Jim, it's like we heard that one of my songs is going to be used in this this show, and it's like, all right, awesome! It's a really cool song. I so I got to hear that it got used in the trailer. They used the first note of my guitar, dong, and that was it. And it was in the it was in the trailer, and it was like a three minute song with lyrics, and I put a lot yeah. of time into. Um, Literally, you had a note yeah, in a trailer. It's it's like I know that note. <laughs> it's the first note of the song, E minor. It's it, it's like, dong. It's like, <laughs> yeah. That yeah. That is one place where you really do sometimes check your ego because I've had so many examples of that. One example was this song we did that sounded somewhat like a band from the '70s, 
and uh, we did all these really cool guitar parts, you know, harmony guitars and all this cool rhythm stuff. And it got placed into, a, got put into a library. And about a year later, we got a really nice placement on the song. And we're all excited. And my buddy and I had done this and all these, we worked for hours on these guitar parts together. And so we got the placement and we finally saw the commercial and it was a drums and bass mix. <laughs> there was no guitars yeah. in the mix. They probably got in the way of the dialogue. So that, that path, the path of a song can be, you know, interesting that way. Like you don't expect, I've had friends who are great vocalists and they've actually had placements in the song that gets placed as minus vocals. Of course. So they, they, you know, they're in a big film and they don't hear the vocal on their thing. And, you know, the guys I know that had that happen were pro enough to say, hey, I got the placement. So and I got, got the, the sync piece, I got the payment. Yeah. Yep. And, um, and you know, over it's the not weekend, an ego thing at that point. Over the weekend, I was watching a lot of stuff on Discovery Channel for Shark Week. What can I say? I'm a nerd that way. I love watching <laughs> shark. A little known fact, before I got into the music industry, I was a pro scuba diver for about a year and a half. Um, so I still watch Shark Week with, with passionate eyes. There was an episode yesterday afternoon called Sharks versus Snakes. And it's about tiger sharks watching, washing up on the beaches in Western Australia, I think. Um, dying for no apparent reason. They figured out that they were eating poisonous sea snakes, which were biting them on the inside of their mouth because a snake couldn't bite through a shark's skin, but it could get the soft tissue in the mouth. So the re real reason I remembered the episode and I played it for some of the A&R guys under our roof here um, about an hour before we went live in this episode is because it had three cues that were primarily percussion almost entirely percussion. And we run listings sometimes where libraries are looking for just percussive instrumental cues. And people send stuff where they're clearly trying to win percussionist of the year, thinking that people in the industry will go, listen to all the complex rhythms and counter rhythms that dude came up with. No, <laughs> the, this show was the greatest example of simple wins the day. And uh, so if anybody out there has Discovery yeah. and can access it on, a, you know, like through your whatever, where you can watch episodes, you can't find the episode on YouTube. Uh, but the episode is called Sharks. If you Google Sharks versus Snakes Shark Week Discovery, you will find it. And then you'll probably have to go onto your local cable provider or something to log in and get to play it. Such a great episode that perfectly exemplifies how simplicity wins the day with production, production music period across the board, particularly yeah. with, with percussion cues. Um, JP, yeah. you mentioned that you want to talk about crossing over. Um, exactly yeah. what does that mean and how did you cross over <laughs> so <laughs> i've played a i've yeah not going there yeah uh, i've played a lot of genres i mean i actually played in a band that we'd start out the night we did this six nights a week we'd start out the night with a dinner set of jazz music and we'd end the night doing van halen so it was <laughs> it was very we all had to have diverse musical uh, abilities you might say but so that, I've got that background, but most of what I've made my money doing is playing for country artists. So that was my thing. Being a bass player, I write an acoustic guitar. 
Um, and country wasn't getting a lot of placements in 2015, 2016 and on. So it's like, what can I, what genre can I use my skills that I already have and just, you know, just tweak them a little bit. And I lived listening to Mumford and Sons. Um, my three sons, I've, I've got three boys and they're all a different age, about 10 years between the first two and then uh, five years between the, the last one. And they listen to different styles of music, and but a lot of Mumford and Sons, Judah and the Lion, um, really cool indie folk stuff, Lumineers, and um, it's like I can do that. I just have to tweak what I'm doing. It, listen to their their drum because the drums are completely different from country music. It's mm -hmm. not that pop sounding drum kit. It's a big bass drum. Uh, it just it's a specific sound and you just got to dial that in but and just listen to the phrasing of the vocals what they're singing about uh sort of things like that what the bass is doing um it's not busy like in pop stuff uh in most cases um but yeah that's to me it the light came on when i was realizing yeah i can write indie folk it's it's not that difficult if you've got the skills as being a country musician it's just dialing back what you did and you can't really add steel guitar to it but you know my steel guitar players hate that but um jim i want to go to the fifth thing on your list amateur hour how to get blacklisted in five easy steps i want to throw one out in the beginning and then just take the ball and run with it but you know i gotta say i've had so many examples in 2023 in particular where taxi members or musicians who are just part of our larger community they might not even still be members maybe they never were but they say dopey things in the comments on a youtube video it never occurs to them that we actually have some music supervisors and library owners that watch this show and I've gotten phone calls and emails after the fact, um, not just about Taxi TV, but other people's YouTubes where people make dopey comments in the comment section or underneath the video. And these library owners call me up and go, can you tell me who that is? Because people use avatar names or whatever. And why do you want to know? It's because I want to make sure I never sign anything from that person. I do not want them in my catalog because they're freaking wow. nuts and they'll drive yeah. me crazy. So what are the other five easy steps that you know of that can get you blacklisted? <laughs> well, I, I think, first of all, you know, we talked about going to the rally. It reminds me of this for some reason. But I think sometimes it's best, and I think deep down people know, but sometimes it's best to hang back, learn the lingo, learn the language, learn the, I guess, rules of what is happening before you really start charging ahead. I think, because a lot of times, the thing is that that kind of learning can come after you actually have great songs, right? You can have great songs, you can be a great artist, a great singer, but you haven't figured out kind of the rules of the road. I think one of them is, um, I guess you would call it badgering. You know, if you if you get an email from a library or from somebody in the industry and you send them five emails over the next week, they're probably not going to return your email and they'll probably have you 
you know, blocked from their email address, things like that, or maybe even a temporary them, restraining right? order. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. It, it's like just be cool, you know, be cool. And and like I said, some songs take five years. You have to be very patient, and you have to also realize that your song isn't the only song these people have on their desk. It's probably one of two hundred songs that week. So I, I think that's to me one of the number one things is when you do start to have a little bit of success and you have forwards or you get in contact with a library, give them a little space and let them, you know, the, I mean, you want to, it's a fine line because you do want to stay somewhat present for them. Maybe a month down the road, send them another email, just checking in, I have a new song. I don't think anybody's going to mind that if you have the relationship established, certainly. If somebody, if somebody in this world has said, oh, I like your songs, send me three songs, by all means, send three songs and then wait a month and, and say, hey, I have another new song. Would you like to hear it? I don't know that I'd even send the song. I would ask just etiquette, you know, be cool about those things. To me, that's probably priority number one. Once you do start to have some success and meet some people who are in the industry, libraries, supervisors, otherwise, you know, you have to build that relationship and it takes time. You know, somebody's not going to be in love with you the first day. That just it rarely happens. It's probably not going to happen that way. You know, you have to uh, there. You have to prove yourself. So that's number one. Uh, John, go ahead. I'll let you take a number two. Oh, <laughs> that didn't come out exactly right. <laughs> you took you took the best. <laughs> you know one. what I mean. <laughs> it's, I took the easy the other, one. I took the easy one. Yeah, the, the other things are knowing some of the terminology, um, knowing what stems are, uh, knowing what cut downs are, and and how to do them. And a lot of this stuff can be found out in the forums with an S um, and, and just about anywhere online. But if we you, actually have a, 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 a um, what do you call it? A glossary of these terms on the taxi website, by the way. Nice, nice. Yeah, it's all that I would for people that don't know, you need to find out what those terms mean. So you're not asking, put it this way, you're the library that is accepting or is interested in your songs. They don't want to spend the time dealing with artists uh, submitting songs. They want to get those songs that they have out so they're working. You want those songs out there earning the publisher their share and the writer their share. And if they're having to answer these questions, and believe me, these library owners know which questions can be easily answered if you just do a search online and just don't take the first result as gospel, but look at several different results to get, you know, triangulate. It's like, okay, these two people that I trust or that I've, I've read their stuff, they know what they're talking about, um, go, go by what they're saying. But knowing what stems are, what non-exclusive and exclusive, oh my gosh, that's, uh, Michael and Jim can both attest to that. It's not knowing and in perpetuity, knowing what in perpetuity means and not trying to argue that that means some places will give you a reversion clause, three years. You need at least three years to work a song, in, in my opinion. But I've signed tons of in perpetuity. It's it just write more stuff. It's yeah, it, absolutely. And I'll say it, it, it is one of those things where it's especially for a lot of artists or musicians, that isn't the fun stuff. I mean, the business side, the learning contracts, it's not necessarily all fun and games, but it's it's critical. You have to do it. And I can't tell you, I work with artists as a producer now, and I can't tell you how nice it is when the, the artist comes to me 
and they have even like a five-way split sheet written for the, the writers on a song. Wow. They walked out of their session with a split sheet or they have a work for hire if they hired a vocalist. All those yeah. things that you just have to really mind your, you know, kind of mind your business. And I will say that one place where you like the question probably is, where am I going to learn all this? And one place is the rally. For example, you guys have great classes on publishing every year. You have classes on all of these things every year. Um, I'm trying to think of any books that might be good. Um, do you guys have Steve, any suggestions on business yes, books? Uh, well, Steve Barden's book covers all this stuff um, yep. very well. Yep. Tracy and Vance Marino's book. Uh, hang yep. on. I'm 10 feet away from these books. I'll be right back. <laughs> Great. So now that Michael's gone, uh, <laughs> we're taking over. <laughs> yeah, it's a takeover. <laughs> oh, that speaker. But I, down. but I do think I do think that's. I mean, it's kind of the same subject we just talked about. We said five steps, but that is okay. that is so crucial. Those this the etiquette and knowing your business. I guess that's two two so far. But um, I don't know. If if Dean has it or not in this book, but Demystifying the Cue by Dean Kripain. Yeah, it's a, a must book. read book yeah. if you want to be in the business of production music, library music. It is. Another must read. These aren't like, I kind of recommend them or highly recommend them. If you don't read these, then you kind of don't have the keys to the car. Writing Production Music for TV yeah. by Steve Barden. And by the way, all these people will be at the Taxi Road Rally and probably yep, mentoring. Yep. So for those of you who are new members and you want to get, if you want a shortcut to being successful in the industry, go to the Road Rally and hang out with these people. Buy them a beer. Sign up to have them as your one-to-one -one mentor or either of the two gentlemen we're talking to right now. And Hey, That's My Song by Tracy and Vance Marino. A very, very yep. thorough book on about all this that stuff um so there yeah, you go I, I i totally agree those three books and going to the rally and attending classes are some of the best things you can do i would almost caution online because you know how it is with online education there's things that are very there's a lot of opinions out there there's a lot of misleading and misguiding going on on like youtube and facebook feeds i see it all the time and, yeah and it kind of drives me crazy and i don't comment just out of again etiquette on my own part but I, I just sit there looking at some of these videos and I'm like, what are these people trying to, what are they teaching? It, it's actually very counterproductive for people trying to learn. So, and, you know, and I'm not obviously not going to name any names, but. I'm not either. Um, about three months ago, I saw somebody who's been putting himself out there as an expert for probably two or three years on production music. Yeah. And the guy literally said in one of his episodes, I'm celebrating the fact that I just got my first royalty statement. It's like, really? So you've been pontificating and telling people, do this and be successful. Don't do that. Uh, and you just got your first royalty payment. We've got taxi members who are making six figure incomes who literally get, you know, if they printed them on paper, statements that are two or three inches thick and this person just got his first one yet he is a an expert Whew. anyway yeah. sorry it, it, yeah. so i'll, I'll say another thing about i guess etiquette and the rally if you do go to the rally and it's your first rally i spoke last year at the rally with probably 50 people and a lot of the i noticed last year there was a lot of new folks at the rally it was cool there was a lot of people who were first-time members kind of getting into it 
And I would say I was impressed too because most of them are really, their etiquette was right. They, you know, they came up to me, they started the conversation, very humble, very nice about everything. And I would spend an hour with them, some of these folks, just because I could tell, I guess you called it the pay it forward factor, Michael, but I remember being there six years ago and the people at the rally really helped me. So I had people like John and I who've been there a while. If we have time, there's no doubt we'll sit there and answer any question you have. If you if you have a question to answer, it's not a problem at all. And that's the great spirit, kind of the spirit of the rally that I love too, is the guys who have kind of been at it a while are helping everybody else. And then you also meet your peers and you grow together. So it's there's all that stuff that goes on at the rally that will will help you avoid some of these mistakes, you know, of, of doing, you know, I guess, etiquette mistakes and getting, you know, blacklisted, as we say. But, you know, it, it's just it's it's all about those relationships and, and building that trust with folks, too. And, and, and do you know, I think you've recommended this book before, Michael, but you've recommended War of Art. I've oh, yeah, you, big time. I've probably that. sold That's more. That's a great book, too. Stephen Pressfield's book, The War of Art, I've probably sold more copies than any other individual person. Yeah. That's why he did the road yeah. rally. <laughs> uh, three years ago, we did our first, uh, you know, uh, Corona road rally, on virtual one, and I got him as the keynote. Yeah. I literally uh, right. emailed him or called him and said, I've sold thousands of books for you. I need you to speak yeah. to my people. And he said, wow. Can't say no yeah. to that. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that's another book to add to the list, right? And that's not necessarily, uh, you know, related to sync music or music for TV film, but it's a great book. And one of the quotes out of there, I can't, I'm not going to quote him exactly, but it was something to do with a warrior can recognize another warrior. Yeah. And if you learn your, you learn your stuff and build your abilities, that's when I think you do start attracting other people who are in that realm because they know just by talking to you or just by hearing your music certainly that you are ready and you have to build up to that point as if you're a beginner in this and if you're just attending your first rally or just pitching your first songs it's going to take a little while it, it takes patience and a lot of work and there, there's really no way around that there's no simple answers to this everybody's you know, looking a, for the shortcut downer but everybody yeah. wants the shortcut i understand that um but there are ways to make the path shorter but not short and uh, yeah. you know what? If somebody walked up to you, Jim or John, at the rally and said, hey, how you doing? My name's Michael. I'm the most awesome composer in the state of Illinois. Everybody knows that about me. And I do this genre, that genre, the other genre, the other genre. And they list like five genres that they do. So who here should I give my CD to to get my song in a movie? That is the opposite of what Jim just yeah. described as a warrior recognizing another warrior. That's a warrior recognizing a putz. That's what that is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah it's true. It's true. Um, so uh, anything else you guys want to add real quick? We've got about 15 minutes. Whoa, no, we've got 12 minutes left to do some Q&A. Maybe I'll let the episode go five minutes long, but I do want to get some Q&A in. Um, any quick final thoughts before we jump into Q&A? Well, one thing on the amateur hour, um, and I think, Michael, you hit on this at the last uh, Taxi TV or two, two weeks ago, about not, not answering an email quickly. If somebody reaches out to you, I mean, even if it's a co-writer, reach out, if, if they reach out to you, answer them at, at, in a very reasonable time. Uh, don't leave them hanging. I've had, 
I don't do a lot of co-writes anymore. I, I work with Jim a lot. Um, there are a few others, but it's, I don't like, you know, you, you're trying to get a song either signed to somebody or you've gotten a, a, a nibble on something and you want to get their, their ideas like, well, are you good with imper in perpetuity or non-exclusive? And they don't answer you. But it's most important with, if, if a library or a supervisor reaches out to you, you need to get to them immediately, at least acknowledge that you've gotten the email and you're working on getting an answer for them. But get back to them. Yeah, I'm yeah that works quickly. really well. It's like, sorry, I don't have the answer. Just wanted to let you know I'm working on it. That That is also a great comeback. You know what? People appreciate the response and the honesty rather than trying to BS your way through that. Like my dog ate my homework. So I saw a question in there from Whitney Phoenix. It's a question we get a lot, so uh, I want to take this one. Um, say I have a forward on taxi submission. Should I keep submit? Actually, you guys should answer this. Should I keep submitting the same song yes. or cue to multiple yes. subsequent listings? Absolutely, absolutely. Sure. Yep. Until easy yeah. answer. Yeah. Yep. Until that song is signed, it's, it's put it out there because you might get all forwards on all of those those submissions you might have libraries reach out to you on all those forwards and even if you don't have that song if you sign that song to one person one library other libraries reach out and want that you i mean you're this you're the same person that wrote that first one you can write something else that is of the same quality and so, it makes you yep. more desirable when a library calls you, they got the first forward and they say, is this still available? And you say, no, somebody else picked it up. Ding, ding, ding. You've just earned instant credibility because one of their competitors took it and they're gonna ask you before you even offer, can you write five more of those for me? That's yeah. the, I love yep. that. Personally, I, I would do that every day of the week if I could. Uh, here's a question from Andre Stepanian for someone like me who writes mostly guitar instrumentals for not so popular genres or requests. Besides collaborating, what other advice would you give to get more tracks signed? Well, the, the one thing I can think of is maybe what John said earlier about, you know, crossing over. Figure out, okay, I do these kind of guitar instrumentals, but there are going to be nearby genres, nearby styles you can work on and do. And um, I would say keep an open mind about that and try some of that and you might find a niche there that you fit really well. I, I would say collaborate though. That was actually what I was gonna say before he said besides collaborating, but I would say collaborate because you may be able to work with a singer and all of a sudden you guys have, have crossed over and you have a style that really works well in sync. So I say those two things. Yeah, Andre is a, a great flamenco player, and yeah. Latin pop. Latin pop is, I mean, it's on fire. So yeah. Hot. Yeah. yeah, and we don't and get many it. submissions from people for Latin pop. I, I'm, I too, am very familiar. Andre is a world class um, nylon string guitar player. Uh, I, yeah. I've heard some of his stuff that was like mind blowingly good. Andre, honestly, I was thinking about you. Remember, I said I, I thought about you over not this past weekend, maybe the weekend before. I don't know why I think of taxi members over the weekend. I should just forget about you. <laughs> Whoops, forget about you guys on the weekends, but I don't. Uh, Andre, take your fingers and learn, go buy yourself some 
cheapo instruments from the Middle East or other foreign places. There's always a request out there for Middle Eastern music. A lot of TV shows, a lot of like military dramas, you know, somebody's going to Afghanistan or Kazakhstan or somewhere with music that doesn't sound like American pop radio. Uh, and it's funny, probably the number one production music library for getting Middle Eastern music placed around the world is actually a library from Tel Aviv, Israel uh, that's owned by a friend of mine that uh, when I'm over there, I go have lunch or dinner with him pretty frequently. He can't get good production music over there because people don't really understand how it works over there. So he uses taxi to get Middle Eastern production music, even though he's based in Tel Aviv and gets a lot of placements for our members. So Andre, if I were you, I would go, you know, what are the five most frequently used Middle Eastern stringed instruments? Go buy some used ones on eBay or something, uh, get proficient on them. And I know you've got the ears to learn Middle Eastern music. Make full CDs of like, here's a CD of, well, Russian, Bella Laikas. Here's a, you know, nothing but solo Bella Laikas CD or Oud and whatever. Um, Gosh, I, somebody sent me yesterday a lady playing Hotel California on a Japanese Kodo. It was, I saw that. <laughs> yeah, it was incredibly good. I happen to have a Kodo hanging on my wall here, but I will never be playing Hotel California on it. Um, all right, uh, time for another question or two, and then we are run. The or I mean, done. The bazooki. I love this, the name bazooki. Sounds like something you put chewing gum on and then fire a mortar out of. <laughs> a bazooki. Um, here's a question from Ken Bearden. With the thousands of works, and I'm assuming he means pieces of music that you all have, how do you avoid repetition? That's a good question. Great question. Um, John, why don't you go? Because you're so good at, at coming up with new ideas. It, it amazes me, so... Uh, I get ideas in my sleep and I actually wake up and write them down and sing them into my phone. Um, it's, I mean, a lot of folks will get ideas while they're sleeping and they, they'll let it go until the morning and then they'll forget it. But I, my, my brain, the way it works, and like most folks, it's, it's just um, taking in what you've learned through the day and coming up with just interesting, I, I dream with music behind my dreams. It's, it's kind of funny. Wow. But uh, it, yeah, it's weird. I just have to force myself out of that dream and, and write it down and, and sing it into my my recorder, but my phone. But uh, yeah, it's, I've never really had a problem with repeating melodies. It just, I don't know, I, I can't say why, but that is one of the, when I get these songs in dreams, uh, they never sound like anything else. Wow. And, and maybe that's reloading my, um, my magazine of, <laughs> of uh, melodies and that I just base things off of that. It, 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 it's just really hard to explain. It's, that's not coming out correctly, but uh, it's I've never really had a problem with repeating. And I've got five, 10,000 songs. Yeah. Here's how dumb it, I am. In my experience, Go ahead, Jim. 
Oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Michael. Sorry. Uh, here's how dumb I am. If I have an idea and I want to make a note in my phone, by the time I found my phone, I've forgotten the idea. Happened to me last <laughs> night around 10 o'clock. I've done that. Yeah. I've done that. What, what were you going to say, yeah. Jim? I was just going to say it's almost like the last two questions for me are completely related in a weird way. Because, uh, as I said to, uh, to the last fellow, that the expanding your horizons for me was huge in this. Because the, the year I said I did 75 taxi listings, I was doing different styles, I was doing different things. Once I started to expand my writing abilities, my horizons on all that stuff, I didn't have trouble at all not repeating myself. Because every time I open Logic or open a DAW, I can have a blank slate and it doesn't scare me and I know I'm going to come up with something. Because number one, I produced so much music, but also I produced a variety of music. So I think between those two things, if you learn to expand your horizons, be open-minded, and because I do, I do know when I first started doing this six years ago, a lot of those songs probably sound pretty similar because they were kind of one style. They, I was playing the same riffs on guitar, maybe. And if now that I listen, I'm doing so many different styles of music and so many different things. It, it really took care of itself. And I, I rarely now, I, I don't think ever, I, I do I have like a writer's block. And and it also is when you have learn how to take the direction of like either a library brief or a brief from something else that gives you a template where you have something new to look at and your your skill of doing that comes in and it's like no I'm I'm just going after this brief today daily habits of this just today. looking at the taxi listings I hear that from many of our yep. most successful yep. members just looking at the listings on a daily basis is very fertile ground for new ideas nothing worse than staring Absolutely. at a blank page yep. uh, here's yeah, a quick yep. go ahead JP uh, real quick uh, I listen to Sirius XM I don't stream music I listen on the radio because I use my phone to sing stuff into and I don't want to be streaming on it so I switch between pop stations alt rock stations which play you know lots of different styles turn the volume down and I make up melodies or lyrics off of that really low volume while I'm driving and that'll influence what I write I'm not really hearing what what they're they're playing but it's it's creating a vibe so that's one way to get around that writer's block as Jim mentioned and and also coming up with different different types of uh, melodies but yeah. Here's a question from Bruce Capaferi. Uh, if you sign a perpetuity, uh, actually, I'm going to take this one, guys. If you sign a perpetuity deal, uh, which means forever, you've signed a piece of music to a company, they own it forever, um, which is very common, and the library goes out of business or is bought out, what happens to your songs? Well, if it goes out of business, you can typically reclaim it by sending um, to the last known address that you've got and you'd be wise to send it certified mail return receipt requested so even if they say we never got it you've got proof that it was received at that address and you made best efforts you're going to get that song back if the company's bought out you probably won't get it back because the reason somebody's buying them is buying the value of that catalog so they're not going to say all right everything that gave that catalog value can now go back to the creators but if they're going out of business fair game to get it back I believe yeah all right let's do another question or two um, uh, 
I'm not sure I understand this one from Kelly Winchester. Let me read it out loud. Maybe it'll make more sense to me. Can you have a submission draw where you guys just listen to a random artist to see where you can use them, like at the road rally? I don't understand that. Do you guys? Yeah, they, so she wants to have a random, so you draw songs from different artists oh. to see where they can be used. Uh, we do that at the Road Rally, Kelly. Uh, we have panels in the Grand Ballroom where we literally use a computer to spit out random numbers. Then we have stuff on a playlist. We play it. And typically we have four or five, sometimes as many as six different people from the industry up there listening to it. So that does happen. Um, yeah. Now I understand. Random draw. Drawing. <laughs> uh, what's your... This question's from... Randall, what's your main motivation for collaborating? Wow, well, a lot of great motivation, I would think, guys. <laughs> yeah. Jim? Well, basically for me, it was what I mentioned a minute ago as well, is I had written by myself for a long time. And my again, it really see the other two questions. How do you have new sounds right with someone else, right? I mean, how do you, how do you get out of writer's block right with someone else? Because when you're writing alone, it's, you know, you are sometimes going to run out of ideas, I suppose, but collaborating, you're bringing in new skills, you're bringing in new talents. John always calls it, I know, it's kind of building great team or building great teams. Yeah. Like John and I have people we write with in different styles and, and it allows you to write different styles. Somebody will bring in an idea and you'll be like, oh, that's great. You know, it's something you never would have thought of. So I think just the, just the again, fertile ground of collaboration is great. And I, I do a lot of both. I do writing on my own and I do collaborating. And it, it's just another way to get more music out there. And one other thing about a collaboration I never thought of before I started collaborating was you have your network of people you pitch to. They have their network of people to pitch to. All of a sudden you have twice the amount of opportunity for that one song. Um, so it's, it's just all of that. You know, collaboration to me is, is great. I'd like to add to that last thought because some people come to the Taxi Road Rally November 2nd through the 5th this year in Los Angeles, <laughs> and, they, and they come with the idea of, I'm just going to give my music out to a bunch of members that I see on panels and what have you that are clearly successful, and that way I'm going to ride their coattails into the companies they work with. And you know what? There is some truth in that, and it is doable, but you have to earn the trip on their coattails. You've got to bring something to the party. You, you can't just be a B-plus person and ride in on their A-plus coattails. If they need a vocalist and you happen to be exactly the kind of vocalist he or she needs to round out their particular style of productions, you may get that ride on the coattails. Um, it may be that maybe JP would love to write um, Asian instrumentals. And just isn't that familiar with it, but he meets somebody who is very familiar with, with Eastern Asian music, um, but doesn't have the recording or production skills. And JP can bring that to the party. And you guys, you everybody's got to bring value to the equation. Yes, if that happens, you can ride in through the doors that are already open to them. Don't show up thinking that you're going to get some magic dust thrown on you by just them meeting you and go, you're so cool. I like you, dude. Sure, man. Here, let me introduce you to every library owner I know. 
because by them introducing you, first of all, if you act in a less than professional way, it's a check mark on the blacklist of their career because they made the you mistake of us. introducing yeah. you. And yeah. if they um, happen to introduce somebody to a library owner that they know, uh, and that somebody mainly works in the genre they're in, they may be creating competition for themselves. So it generally works out better if it's a genre that you're not working in, but you could probably do if you had a collaborator that was skilled at it and vice versa. You don't wanna give away. Somebody once said to me in college, uh, don't ever turn anybody onto your pot dealer or something like that. Uh, <laughs> maybe uh -oh. <laughs> advice from 40 years ago that may have found a new life in this field. But, you know, th there's some yeah. truth in that. Don't give up the relationships that you work so hard to get unless there's also benefit for you in doing so. Yeah, well, it's you got to bring skill sets to the, the table that, that your collaborator doesn't have. It, yeah. It's like um two two taxi members that that i've co-written with uh greg Croza and becky kettleson um different skill sets greg's great at producing playing keyboards and coming up with great ideas and you know i'm a bass player guitar player and becky's a great vocalist and lyric writer and we i think we've written 13 or 14 songs they've all been signed and one of them is in that samsung commercial that went worldwide and uh Yep. two three four others are and and i turned greg on to one of my publishers and greg turned me on to one of his so it's um and we yep. both got songs signed separately and it's the same with jim it's it's finding someone that's got a different little different skill set jim's a fantastic guitar player um and producer and so that's and great lyricist too and yeah, it, it, it is. It's all, again, relationship, right? And, and kind of earning that trust. And this the same old thing about the warrior thing. You know, when you meet another warrior and you can collaborate like that, it there's some great music gets made, too. It really is. Yeah. It's 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 fun then. You know, there's there's not a lot of hassle. And everybody has, talking about something earlier, everybody has their business aspect together. So there's no questions about, you know, the, that side of things. And, you know, everybody understands kind of how things work. Well, that, why is my business acumen with. important to you, Jim, if my music is so great? Uh. <laughs> uh, no, no, no response. Yeah. No reply to that. Um, here's uh, another question from Bruce Capaferi. Uh, I have lots of songs, but all produced to MP3. I got Logic Pro with my new Mac, but I'm having trouble learning it. Is it possible to collaborate with people who can help me to produce the stems? Um, how did you guys, I mean, yes, the, that that's an easy way, but honestly, learn it yourself, Bruce. If, if these guys, I mean, I'm not saying they're dum-dums at all, but if so many of our members have learned this stuff, it can't be that hard. What are you holding up there, JP? This is for John. This is for John because he went through it. So. Okay. So, so in 2015, 2016, January, I got an Apple laptop. I wasn't an Apple guy, I was PC. And I started from scratch learning logic. And um, music, I got to read it again. Music tech help guy. Music tech help guy. Just Google him. He, I think he deals mostly with logic, at least he did back then. I watched 
maybe 13 different episodes and I wrote everything down. I transcribed everything he was saying because uh, that's the way I learn. I've got to write it down. I can't type it. I, I need to write it down because that's the way it sticks in my brain. But his videos, he's really good at, at teaching you how to do these things. Now, I'm not sure he he did stems there. I, I learned stems, I think, from Jim um, looking over his shoulder when when he was working in Pro Tools. But um, but Music Tech Help Guy is, yeah, if, if you find one person, that's the guy. And stems, frankly, are not that hard. Um, all yeah. stems are is really a submix. Somebody says, I want a rhythm stem. So you give them probably drums, maybe percussion if there is some, maybe a rhythm guitar if it's doing chunka chunkas or something like that. Um, you could do guitar stems where you've got two acoustics and an electric. Just keep the faders where they are. Don't raise them up because you've taken out all this other stuff and your mix meters are considerably lower in volume because you've taken away all the other meaty stuff in the mix. Keep those faders where they are because later they could be added back in with other stems and you want everything to be at the relative level and intercuttable with the master mix as well. So there's the short yeah. course, Lasco's short course on stems. Yeah, just mute all the other instruments and just leave the acoustic guitars, solo, they'll be the only things, and then just print that off in Logic. It's really easy. Here's a yeah, question. I think some of my learning came from, from, just sorry, just what John said is being in a studio with somebody and somebody that's cool enough to where when they did stems, I'm like, how did you do that? And I just was there with them in the room. Yeah. So collaborating does help that to answer that question. If you find somebody who's really good at logic, just pick their brain. And, and if they're cool, they'll they'll teach you how to do it. Uh, here's one from Lovesick. I'm gonna make this the last question, although this could go on for an hour. You guys are awesome. And I really appreciate you guys coming to me and saying, can we do this? No problem. Um, do you agree it's from, uh, from Lakesick, not Lovesick, Lakesick, sorry. Um, do you agree that it could be worth $5 loss uh, to occasionally write for listings you may not get a placement for purely for the sake uh, of forcing the learning process on new genres? Absolutely, don't consider it a loss. Consider an investment in moving your career forward yeah. because not only are you gonna get the experience, for five bucks you're gonna get feedback. Yeah. Duh. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah very absolutely. true. Absolutely. Yeah. And the, the, the critiques that Taxi offers, those helped me immensely. Those, oh gosh, because you can ask questions. I think it's a thousand words you're allowed to ask questions. Oh, for and the uh, custom critiques, for the $20 custom customs, yeah. Yeah, do those too, and that helped me quite a bit. I, I keep forgetting about those, but that helped my learning curve because they take some, the screeners took a lot of time to, because to, they realized that I, I was trying, and yeah. so they helped me out. And yeah, th those helped my learning curve. I own the company, and I forget to mention those all the time, and sadly, <laughs> I... It's no secret, the screeners get paid 30 bucks an hour um, and the custom critiques cost 20. And it's not unusual for a screener to take 45 minutes to an hour and a half. So we lose money on a lot of those customs, um, but people swear by them and, and yeah. there you go. So um, John L. Pearson in the middle, as opposed to the other <laughs> yeah. John Pearson. 
and Jim Thacker. Guys, thank you so much for you know just saying, hey, uh, we'd love to do Taxi TV with you. For those of you who've never been to a road rally, don't put it off. I know it's easier to not drop the price of the plane. You know what freaks me out? People that live in Los Angeles that are within 15 minutes to an hour drive of the road rally and don't get off their couch and turn off the TV set to come to this place that is indisputably a wealth of information. Nobody ever says anything bad about the road rally, yet people are just freaking lazy. They're pissed off that they don't have a career. Oh, man, I don't feel like driving down by LAX. That'd be 45 minutes on the 405. I'm going <laughs> to skip it. You know what? If you do that, I'm sorry to cast asparagus at you, but you're a big fat loser. <laughs> you really need to get your butt off the couch, get down to the road rally and let it change your life. This is not hype. These guys, do they look like, no. you know, like they're lying about it? They're not. Anyway, yeah, come so, see us at the rally. <laughs> yes, they will hang yep. out with you if you seem like you're willing will. to do the work. Um, yeah, we'll be there. Awesome. John Pearson, Jim, thank, uh, Jim Thacker, thank you both so much. This was awesome. I appreciate it a bunch. And now we're going to have a little Keith LeBrant music to play out. Thank you all. Thanks, Michael. Yeah. Thanks, oh, Michael. by the way, hold on. Oh. I've never done this in 12 years of doing Taxi TV. I've never stopped the band or the applause. That audience is like... Um, don't miss next week's show. Uh, I'm going to have a young lady on here, and we are going to... Where is my book? Next week, we are going to do something we've never done. I didn't write it in the... I wrote her name in the book. Um, what are we going to talk about? Um sound uh branding like brand identity music for brand uh -huh. identity kind of stuff i can't think of the right term right now but it's something we've never ever covered and, and she is a world-class expert on this so if you want to find out why nbc went with dome 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 or a million other things like that um sound design and sonic branding that's the word i was trying sonic to think branding. of yeah, don't miss next week's show. Once again, John Pearson, Jim Thank uh, Jim Thacker, thank you. Bye, you guys. <laughs> Thanks, everyone. Thank you.